Hello, everybody. Welcome to night two and night three of the NBA. We got 14 games to go over, 11 on Wednesday, three on Thursday. So let's get to it. I'll go ahead and let the music bring me in. Welcome to the NBA Box Out Podcast, and this will be our third episode covering the 11 games on Wednesday and three games on Thursday. So this is a pretty big slate of games to get through, so let's go ahead and get started with the action on Wednesday night. The first game of the evening was actually one that not a lot of people were expecting to be all that exciting. These are two teams that are kind of on the opposite end of a rebuild. The Chicago Bulls are hoping to really make a leap and on the verge of having some playoff relevance with Markinen coming back and some really exciting pieces. On the other side of things, the Hornets are hoping to begin a rough rebuild as they begin the post-Kemba era, where the oft-injured Cody Zeller is the returning scorer, and he was just averaging 10.1 points per game last year. The game turned out to be a lot closer than anybody had anticipated, but the Hornets took it to overtime and snuck out a win 126-125 over the Bulls. The Hornets managed to set a franchise record for threes in a game with 23, led by rookie P.J. Washington, who was instrumental in that scoring. 27, most of it coming from beyond the arc, going 7 for 11, setting an NBA record for a player making his NBA debut. Second-year guard Devontae Graham was crucial for the Hornets, scoring 23 points on 7 of 9 shooting and 8 assists, and he was the guiding force for the Hornets as they tried to bleed out the clock and make their free throws. The Seattle native Marvin Williams had 17 points off the bench in just 16 minutes, going 5 of 7 from 3. Not to be forgotten, Dwayne Bacon had a strong 22 for the prevailing Hornets. On the other side, for the disappointed Bulls of Chicago, Laurie Markkinen had a great game with 35 points and 17 boards. Zach Levine also chipped in with 16 points on 7 of 17 shooting. Coming off the bench, Colby White and Thad Young had 17 each. Keeping things in the East, the Pistons traveled to Indiana to play against the Pacers. This game was without two of the major superstars, with Oladipo and Blake Griffin out. Blake Griffin is being held out with some hamstring and some knee problems, which is definitely something to monitor as they said they won't evaluate him until early November. Andre Drummond had his way with the Pacers, scoring 32 points on 12 of 18 shooting and also bringing in 23 boards, seven of which were offensive. Coming off the bench in scorching nets was Luke Kennard, who in 28 minutes scored 30 points on 8 of 13 shooting, 6 of 9 from deep, and was just money all around. D. Rose provided a spark off the bench, scoring 18 points on 6 of 11 shooting, also chipping in 9 assists. For the home team, they relied on their big men as well, with DeMontis Sabonis scoring 27 and also bringing in 13 boards, while Miles Turner did well on his own, scoring 25 while bringing in 9 rebounds. Newcomer Malcolm Brogdon scored 22 on 5 of 13 shooting, but made up for it by going 10 of 11 from the line, also chipping in 11 assists. T.J. Warren scored 10 points in his first game for the Pacers, but left in the fourth quarter with an injury after McCure took a charge on him. Coming up later, I'll talk about the Pistons game tonight, and coming up next for the Pacers is they will be in Cleveland on Saturday. Up next, the Cavs traveled to Orlando, where the Magic actually had control for most of the game and won 94-85. 
leading the way for the Magic was Vucevic, who got a big contract this summer and started living up to it by scoring 21 on 8 of 16 shooting while also bringing in 10 boards. Also, very notable stat line, Markel Fultz played 23 minutes and scored 12 points and also had 6 assists. Excited to see him back on the court as he does look like an athletic freak and you forget how big he is, but excited to see what comes next for him. Evan Fournier scored a solid 16 on 7 of 13 shooting. The return of Mo Bamba. After he only played 47 games last year, he came in and scored 7 points and also got 7 boards. Aminu made his debut for the Magic, scoring 5 points and bringing in 7 boards. On the losing side of things, Cavs coach, pardon my pronunciation, John Baleen made his coaching debut and found out that it's a little bit more difficult to coach in the NBA than it is in Ann Arbor, where he coached a very successful Michigan program. A name I feel like I haven't heard in a while, Tristan Thompson led the way for the Cavs with 16 points and 11 boards. Colin Sexton had 16 as well, but it took him 15 shots to get there. The number five pick, Darius Garland, scored eight points in his NBA debut. Kevin Love had 11 points and 18 boards, looking like the old K-Love. Coming up next, the Cavs have their home opener on Saturday against the Pacers, and the Magic play at Atlanta on Saturday. This may have been the most entertaining game of the night when the Timberwolves traveled to Brooklyn for an overtime thriller that contained the two high scorers of Wednesday night. That Kyrie Irving missed a game winner after trying to pull and execute the NBA Street slip and slide. And it didn't go in, and the Timberwolves ended up winning 127 to 126. But can you imagine if Kyrie Irving had scored his 52nd point on a slip and slide game winner? What a night. Before I dive into Kyrie's absurd stat line, I'll go ahead and start with the winners. Carl Anthony Towns went off as well, scoring 36 and bringing in 14 boards. It's definitely worth noting that Cat went 7 for 11 from 3, which is 63%, which is pretty bonkers. Andrew Wiggins had 21, but took 27 shots to get that 21. And Andrew Wiggins had the second worst plus minus coming in with a minus 26. But it's not all bad as he really showed up in the overtime and made some really crucial buckets to help give the Timberwolves the nice win. Now on to Kyrie's absurd stat line. Kyrie had 50 on 17 of 33 shooting, 7 of 14 from deep, 9 of 10 from the free throw line, 8 boards, 7 assists, zero turnovers. Let me repeat that. Zero turnovers. Not surprisingly, Kyrie set the record for most points by a Nets player in their debut, and he did that in regulation. And then in overtime, he set the entire NBA record for player making an NBA debut with a new team. Beyond that, on the Nets, there were some solid performances. Torian Prince in his Nets debut after receiving a nice two-year extension scored 15 and had 11 boards. Joe Harris did Joe Harris things where he went four from six from three, scoring 14 points. Spencer Dinwiddie came off the bench and had 14 points in 18 minutes. And chief recruiter DeAndre Jordan had two points in 16 minutes and three rebounds. Coming up next for the Timberwolves, they travel to Charlotte for a Friday night game. And for the Nets, they'll be hosting crosstown rival the New York Knicks. Moving on to the Memphis at Miami game. Unfortunately, this is not the beginning of the Jimmy Butler era as he was out for personal reasons, and I hope that's just an outlier. Also bad news, our boy Dion Waiters has been suspended because conduct detrimental to the team. So I guess you can't like comments about you getting traded on Instagram these days. But it didn't matter. Justice Winslow carried the torch and helped the Heat run away with a 120-101 victory. Justice Winslow had what I refer to as LeBron. 
27 points, 7 boards, 7 assists. He was flanked by rookie Kendrick Nunn. The rookie out of Oakland scored 24 points on 10 of 18 shooting. Tyler Harrow and Bam Adebayo both chipped in with 14 points. But really who drove that offense was Justice Winslow. On the other side of things, the young Grizzlies have an interesting team that is going to be trying their best to put it together. Third-year guard Dylan Brooks is currently the longest-tenured Grizzly. And yes, you heard that right, third-year guard. He had seven points tonight after missing most of last year. But the stat line everybody wants to know is Ja Morant. He played 25 minutes, scored 14 points on 6 of 12 shooting, had four rebounds, four assists, sadly six turnovers. But hopefully that's just a rookie getting his feet wet. Jaron Jackson had 17 points on 5 of 12 shooting. Tyus Jones made his Grizzlies debut, scoring 15 points on 6 of 12 shooting, while also dishing out 7 assists on Friday against Chicago. Meanwhile, the Heat will be leaving comfortable South Beach to visit Milwaukee on Saturday. The Celtics traveled to Philadelphia to play an old rival as Al Horford has now joined the Sixers after playing several years in Boston Green. And after the first half, it might have looked like a mistake for Al Horford, but behind Ben Simmons, the 76ers took control in the second half. Like I said, Simmons led the way, scoring 24 on 11 of 16 shooting. No threes, everybody can relax. He still went 2 of 5 from the free throw line, so that's not great. But he did have 8 boards and 9 assists. Embiid and Tobias Harris each had 15. Tobias Harris brought in 15 boards while Embiid brought in 13. The entire starting five for the Sixers scored double digits, but nobody on the bench could outscore Mike Scott, who scored six points on two of seven. Josh Richardson in his Sixers debut scored 17. Leading the way for the Celtics was Gordon Hayward, who scored 25 on eight of 15 shooting. Hopefully he's slowly turning back into the guy that we saw in Utah all those years. Following up was Jason Tatum, who hopes to make a leap this year into an all-star caliber player. He scored 21 on 8 of 22 shooting with 10 boards and 4 turnovers. Jalen Brown followed up that contract with 8 points tonight on 3 of 6 shooting. Kemba Walker started off a little bit rough, scoring 12 points on 4 of 18 shooting and 1 of 6 from 3. Next for the Celtics, they'll be hosting last year's champions at home on Friday night. As for the 76ers, they play Saturday at Detroit. Moving on to the Mavericks hosting the Wizards, the Perzingis era started off right for the Mavs. As the Mavericks cruised to a victory over the Wizards, 108 to 100. Mavericks led by as much as 23 points at the end of the third quarter. Also as a team outshot the Wizards 46% to 39%. Leading the way for the Mavs was last year's Rookie of the Year, Luka Doncic, who scored 34 points on 12 of 19 shooting, 4 of 9 from 3, 6 of 8 from the line, 9 boards, sadly 6 turnovers, but when you're doing all that other stuff, some things are going to happen. And we got to see Kristaps Porzingis back in uniform. The Zinger had 23 points on 7 of 16. Seth Curry in his second tour of duty with the Mavericks scored 9 in his first game back. And I think it's worth noting, Maxi Kleber for the Mavericks, the center, only took one shot in 23 minutes and didn't score a single point, but still had 8 boards and 3 blocks. I can't sell them short. Leading the way for the Wizards was, not surprisingly, Bradley Beal. What was surprising is that it took him 25 shots to get 19 points and the fact that he went 1 for 11 from beyond the arc. Not the best start after inking that large extension. But I have faith he'll bounce back very quickly. But he will have to bear quite the burden as the second leading scorers for the Wizards were Thomas Bryant with 14 and Rui Hachimura with also 14. 
The Wizards will be in Oklahoma City Friday night, while the Mavericks will travel to New Orleans. Moving on to the Spurs, inevitable yet still somehow surprising march to the sixth seed in the West. It started with a 120-111 victory over the New York Knicks. Leading the way for the Spurs was LaMarcus Aldridge, who had 22 and 8 boards. New extension signee DeJounte Murray also is back on the floor and had 18 points with 8 boards and 6 assists. Not to mention 3 steals. DeMar DeRozan did not set the Nets on fire, scoring 13 points on 3 of 10 from the field. Shooting guard for the Spurs, Forbes, scored 20 on 7 of 12, going 3 of 6 from beyond the arc. On the bench unit, Rudy Gay scored 13. And for the New York power forwards, I mean New York Knicks, Julius Randle led the way for them with 25 points on 10 of 18 shooting with 11 boards and 6 assists. It'll be interesting to see how he handles that role throughout the year where he's kind of a distributor and playmaker for everybody else. Marcus Morris had 26. And rookie R.J. Barrett had 21 on 9 of 13. Very efficient day from the field with 5 boards. Alfred Payton also made some noise coming in off the bench for 26 minutes, scoring 11 points, getting 8 assists, and also having 5 steals. Sadly, it wasn't enough as the Knicks made a late third quarter rush but couldn't manage to hold it as the Spurs pulled away in the fourth. The Spurs travel to Brooklyn on Friday night while the Knicks host Washington on Saturday. And speaking of the Thunder, they traveled to Salt Lake to face the new Mike Conley-led Utah Jazz. And despite Mike Conley having a very off day from the field, the OKC Thunder weren't able to get it done. That rough day from the field I'm talking about? Conley had 5 points on 1 of 16 shooting, 0 of 6 from 3, but luckily his backcourt mate Donovan Mitchell was there to pick him up, scoring 32 on 14 of 22 shooting, Just took three threes, only made one of them, but also had 12 boards and three assists. Former Pacer Boyan Bogdanovich had 16 as well. And Emmanuel Moutier came off the bench scoring 12 points and chipping in five assists. Gobert did what he does and scored seven points while also getting 14 boards and a few blocks. Going to the other side of things, it was an interesting box score to look at, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander scoring 26 on 23 shot. Coming back to OKC was Chris Paul, who in 30 minutes scored 22 points on 7 of 15 shooting, but also had eight boards and a few assists here and there. Struggling from the field was my guy, Steven Adams, who only had three points on one of eight shooting. He still had 11 boards, and I expect that number to stay high as he's not getting his rebound stolen from by Russell Westbrook. Dennis Schroeder joined Steven Adams on the bus of struggles, only scoring three points on one of eight shooting. Coming up next for both teams, OKC will get their first home game as they host the Washington Wizards on Friday, and the Utah Jazz will actually travel to Staples Center where they will play the LA Lakers. With this next game, I gotta admit, I was a little shocked when I saw the score. The Phoenix Suns took it to the Sacramento Kings, 124-95. to Even this win turned out to be a bittersweet note for the Suns, as their former number one overall pick, stud center that had 18 points and 11 boards in game one of the NBA season got suspended 25 games for an anti-drug policy violation. Nonetheless, the Suns had a nice victory. Kelly Oubre scored 21, Devin Booker scored 22 with 10 assists, and Ricky Rubio, who feels like the first good point guard the Suns have had since Steve Nash, had 11 points and 11 assists. For the Kings, Buddy Heald was focused on earning that contract as he scored 28 on 10 of 19 shooting, 6 of 12 from beyond the arc. 
There's a bit of bad news about Marvin Bagley, who had 14 on 6 of 16 shooting. He actually fractured his thumb, so will be out four to six weeks. And for everybody hoping De'Aaron Fox was going to make the leap this year, he had a fine game with eight points, five assists. But ultimately, if he's going to make that leap, we expect to see a little bit more out of him. Harrison Barnes chipped in with 12 and 6, and Corey Joseph in his Kings debut came off the bench and scored 10 in 20 minutes. Up next for both teams, the Kings will host Portland on Friday, and the Suns will visit the Denver Nuggets. To the headliner of Wednesday night, a rematch of the conference semifinals between the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. While the Nuggets are returning 12 players, which is the second most in the NBA, Blazers are going to have to get used to some new pieces with Whiteside, Kent Bazemore, Mario Hazonia, lots of moving parts here. But these moving parts weren't enough as the Nuggets beat the Blazers 108 to 100. It was a back and forth battle with there being 15 lead changes and the biggest lead by the Blazers was 12 points and the biggest lead by the Nuggets was 10 points. Unfortunately for the Blazers, Nikola Jokic decided to go off in the fourth quarter. While Hassan Whiteside did his best to keep Nikola Jokic in foul trouble and from dominating this game, he eventually got loose, ending up with 20 points on 8-14 shooting while bringing in 13 rebounds. Former Blazer Will Barton scored 19 points, doing most of his damage from the free throw line, scoring 11 of 12. Jamal Murray didn't have his best game, but still ended up with 14 points on 3 of 6 shooting from 3. He also chipped in 5 rebounds and 6 assists. I feel like I would be doing everybody a disservice if I didn't mention the fact that Malik Beasley, who scored 6 points in this game, recently got into a fight with former Broncos linebacker Sua Cravens over an Instagram model. It's worth a Google. Looks like Sua Cravens is very much in control on the fight, but I just thought you should know. Leading the way for the Blazers, not surprisingly, was Dame Lillard, who scored 32 on 10 of 21 shooting. He also had 8 assists and only 3 turnovers. What was surprising is CJ McCollum started out a little bit slow in his first game, only scoring 12 points, but on 5 of 18 shooting, still went 2 for 4 from 3. He also had 5 turnovers. Hassan Whiteside's first game with the Blazers went pretty well, especially in the stat department. He scored 16 points on 6 of 7 shooting, 4 for 4 from the line, and also brought in 19 boards, 5 of which were offensive. Kent Bazemore's debut was a little bit more rough, scoring 4 points on 1 of 7 shooting, but his defense was obviously an upgrade as he had 5 steals. Up next for the Nuggets, they host the Phoenix Suns on Friday, and the Trailblazers will kick off a 4-game road trip against the Sacramento Kings on Friday. Finally, we're on to the Thursday games. We made it. Luckily, there's only three to get through, so I'll go ahead and get started. The unfortunate first team to draw back-to-back was the Detroit Pistons, who hosted the Atlanta Hawks at the Little Caesar Center. The result wasn't exactly what they were looking for, as they lost 117-100. to Leading the way for the Atlanta Hawks was Trey Young. The second-year guard scored 38 on 11 of 21 shooting, 6 of 10 from 3, 10 of 12 from the line, 7 boards, 9 assists, Still had six turnovers, but nonetheless, a very impressive stat line. John Collins, the power forward who is expected to be his other partner in the dynamic duo, had 18 and 10. Cam Reddish got his first start, and he played like a rookie. He had 21 minutes and only scored one point and went over of six from the field. 0 from 5 from 3. Ari Parker came in off the bench scoring 18 on 8 of 11 shooting in 22 minutes. That's what I'm talking about efficiency. Didn't get a ton of other stats, but that's kind of what he does. My guy Vince Carter became the first NBA player to ever appear in 22 NBA seasons. 
He went scoreless in 10 minutes of play, but still, that's pretty awesome. Evan Turner provided some stability to that second unit, scoring 9 points on 4-4 shooting and chipping in 4 assists as well. In Game 2 of a back-to-back for the Pistons, Andre Drummond's stat line wasn't nearly as impressive, but it was still pretty strong. He scored 21 points on 8-12 of shooting while also bringing in 12 boards. Luke Kennard, coming off the bench, didn't quite have 30. He had 13, but tonight he was 3-12 of with 3-9 of from 3 points. Not quite the 30 that he had the night before. Speaking of the night before, though, Derrick Rose went off. Again, he had 27 points in 25 minutes on 11 of 16 shooting and also chipped in three assists. What a great night for him. But it clearly wasn't enough. And now the Pistons will get a night off and they'll get to relax before they host Philadelphia on Saturday. Meanwhile, the Hawks will host Orlando on Saturday. Up next, Giannis and the Bucks traveled south to play the Houston Rockets. And I got to be honest, for most of this game, I thought that the Houston Rockets were going to take it because I feel like I've seen this game a lot where the Rockets are hovering up by 10, up by 7, up by 10, up by 8, just staying there the whole game. But about halfway through that fourth quarter, Giannis decided he was over it. And then the Rockets kind of turned into what their reputation is. Between Westbrook and Harden, there is a little bit of a stigma for not being able to close things out. And last night, they didn't close things out. The Rockets led by as many as 16. But in the fourth, it was all Bucks who outscored the Rockets 39-24. to The Rockets were in it late. Giannis actually fouled out with 5 minutes and 18 seconds to go, and it was 101-95. Westbrook did his part in the fourth quarter, though, carrying the Rockets. There was a huge play at the end of the fourth when the Rockets had Chris Middleton trapped at the half-court line, but he delivered a slick bounce pass, led to a pass to Ilyasova, who sunk a dagger to end the Rockets' hopes of leaving that stadium with a victory. Leading the way for the Bucks was, not surprisingly, Giannis who scored 30 points on 11 of 17 shooting while also bringing in 13 boards and dropping 11 dimes. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Eric Bledsoe all had 11 points each, while Wesley Matthews had 14, making it so the whole Bucks starting lineup was in double digits. In addition to that clutch jumper, Ilyasova also had 13 points and 11 boards, providing a double-double off the bench. Leading in scoring for the Rockets was Russell Westbrook, who made his debut scoring 24, still going 7 of 17 from the field, but also getting 16 boards. I actually saw Austin Rivers go up for for a rebound, and Russell Westbrook stole it from him. So I'm sure soon enough, everybody on the Rockets will be on the Steven Adams plan where everybody just lets Russell Westbrook get the rebound. James Harden had a tough night from the field, going 2 of 13, but still managing to get 19 points. I didn't see the official number, but I know his first 10 points were all from the free throw line, at least. It may have gone beyond that, so I can't speak on behalf of that. But he also did have 14 assists and 7 rebounds, but also had 7 turnovers. P.J. Tucker had a strong game from the field, scoring 17 on 6 of 10 shooting. Clint Capello started off the season with a double-double, scoring 13 points and getting 12 rebounds. Eric Gordon started off a little bit cold, scoring 11 points on 4 of 19 shooting, 3 of 12, which was beyond the arc. Legendary Tyson Chandler scored 10 points in 10 minutes. And then Ben McLemore. And yes, the KU Sacramento Kings, Ben McLemore. He had 6 points. But beyond that, the Bucks will be hosting Miami on Saturday for their home opener. 
Meanwhile, the Rockets will be hosting New Orleans on Saturday. And then for the last game of the pod, the closing of Oracle, but the opening of the Chase Center. The Warriors were hosting the LA Clippers. And I think it's fair to say that the game did not go the way they had hoped. The Clippers scored 141 and the Warriors scored 122. The Clippers led from end to end letting the lead get as big as 31 points. 141 points is the most points a Steve Kerr Warriors team has given up. Kawhi wasn't the high scorer for his team, but his performance was impressive nonetheless. He still had 21 points in 21 minutes with 9 assists and 5 rebounds. The high scorer for the Clippers was Lou Williams, and he went 11-11 from the line, getting 22 points. And he had 8 assists himself. Lou Williams' fellow bench mobber, Montrez Harrell also chipped in 18 points. Zubak was also very efficient, scoring 16 in 17 minutes while also bringing in 10 boards. Patrick Patterson, who started, actually scored 20 points and brought in 3 boards. But I also think it's worth noting, everybody on the Clippers roster got some minutes, and there was only one player who didn't score, and that was Terrence Mann, who only had 4 minutes, and he ended up getting a rebound. So we'll give him some credit there. But he also did get two fouls, so he might lose credit there. For the Warriors, it didn't start out great, letting the Clippers get out to a 14-0 lead before D'Angelo Russell managed to score the Warriors' first 10 points. He ended up with 20 on 6 of 16 shooting. Steph Curry, meanwhile, had 23 on 8 of 20 shooting, but really had a tough time behind the arc going 2 of 11. And he also had 8 turnovers. Draymond looked like he was having some shoulder issues, but managed to score 11 points and 4 rebounds and and get 3 assists. Coming off the bench for the Warriors, two guys with the name Eric Pashal and Jacob Evans managed to score 14 points for them. It'll be interesting to see if the Warriors can get this back on track. And I hate to overreact from one severe loss against what might be the best team in the NBA. Coming up next for the Warriors, they have to travel to Oklahoma City on Sunday. As for the Clippers, they are going to Phoenix to play the Suns on Saturday. And that covers all of the games. This was really my first time doing this, so I think I'll be able to cut it down just a little bit. This pod went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but there was also a lot more to cover than I think there normally will be, especially in terms of offseason moves and all this other stuff. And speaking of all this other stuff, I have one piece of Around the NBA news. Adam Silver officially announced that the 2023 All-Star Game is going to be held in Salt Lake City. And if you have no idea where the All-Star Games are going forward, it's Chicago this year. It'll be Indianapolis next year. And then in 2022, it'll be in Cleveland. And then 2023, it'll be in Salt Lake. But all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel a little bit more knowledgeable about what went down on Wednesday and Thursday in the NBA. And I'll likely be posting another one of these on Sunday, so I hope you can listen then, and I'll give you a full recap of what went down over the weekend. Lots of games, folks. Lots of games. So I appreciate you for listening, and uh, have a great weekend. Peace. Peace.